the Big Church Podcast. Go ahead and have a seat. And I get the opportunity and the honor to introduce to you guys, some of you for a second time because you were here at, at the last she or the Sunday after she, but I get to introduce to you first my friend and second my sister in Christ because I knew her as a friend before I knew her as a sister. And I'm so honored today. Um, she has walked through the last year with me. And there's something to be said that when you have somebody standing next to you that you can be your true authentic self to and that they don't hold anything against you. So today, Nicole, we are so honored to have you to speak into our lives today. So would you get off your seat and on your feet and give a big church welcome to the woman of God, Nicole Rowan. Wow, I like that. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it is an honor back at you to be here. You guys have some of the greatest pastors. You realize this? My husband and I have been in full-time ministry for 15 years, and pastoring a church is the hardest job I've ever had. Pastoring a church is the hardest position. It is a position of both pain and glory, times 25. And so just love on your pastors as often as you can because they are in the, in the fight for the kingdom of God, and they are changing Louisville, which I'm originally born and raised Louisville, Kentucky, off Dixie Highway, and <laughs> I have lived in California for 14 and a half years, and then hit the road in 2020 when the world shut down. Our family hit the road in an RV with our four babies and our newborn, and uh, we went and ministered all across the U.S., all except for North Dakota. We didn't make it to North Dakota. That was the only state we didn't hit, um, but in a time when the enemy decided that he was going to have a loud voice. We decided to have a louder voice, and amen. And so we took our four babies, five and under, and went to preach the gospel um, and saw incredible things. And since I've been with y'all, just to give you context, we have moved to Nashville. It is so crazy. So I, I'm just excited to be able to drive. I was driving here last night going, okay, this is so weird. I haven't been able to drive to my hometown in a long time. So um, it was just kind of surreal to me. But uh, I wanted to share something with y'all this morning that I really felt like God was highlighting. Um, oftentimes before I go and I preach somewhere, I'll sit in prayer and I'll ask God, what do you want to say to these people? Because you know these people. I don't know these people. And I like it that way because then God gets to speak to me about what he wants to speak to y'all. I'm just a vessel for that. And so I kept hearing this phrase, convicted to the core. Turn to your neighbor and say, convicted to the core convicted to the core. And so today, if you like to have titles for your messages, I want you to write down, get your lipstick out, get a pen out, get a highlighter, whatever you need to get out and write this down, convicted to the core. 
I think that we are living, and you would probably agree to this, we are living in such a time where there is a lot of voices, there is a lot of noise, there's a lot of background noise, if you will. And it's easy to, to listen to one person or to one prophet or to one pastor or to, to one friend or to one neighbor when really our ears and our eyes need to be turned to the one, Christ Jesus himself, right? And there is a time in which conviction is either looked upon as religious, too religious, they're just really religious, right? Or it's looked upon as unique. And the reality is, conviction is what we carry as believers in Christ Jesus. It's not something, you know, some people are not just born with boldness and some are not. No, boldness is an attribute of being a follower of Christ. It doesn't mean that you're bold or you're not bold. You're extroverted or introverted. You are a disciple of Jesus, so you don't get to have a say. You are a disciple. You get to be bold in Christ, okay? Sometime after my, uh, my first child, I started to have this weird pain in my shoulder. And I was, I was 28, 29 when I, when I had my first girl. And I began to get all this like weird aches and pains in my shoulders and fairly young gal, right? And so I went to a PT and I, it was a girl in our church and I said, listen, something is going on. My, my neck and my shoulders and everything is hurting. And she said to me something. She said, well, listen, it might not be your neck or your shoulders. She goes, it's probably your core. Because if you'll strengthen your core, you'll strengthen your whole body. And I was like, well, I just had a baby. There ain't nothing strong about that area at all. You know what I mean? And it was interesting to me because I had never thought, I'd never correlated my shoulders, my neck, my back, my hips to the core of my body. And if you are in PT or if you've ever, you know, gone to physical therapy school, do we have any, anybody in here? Okay, you know this. You're like, y'all could probably explain this better than I could. But what I learned in this process was that your core is not only where your organs and central, central nervous system operates, but it's also your body's largest and most important area. Everything comes out of the core. Your spinal cord is everything, this PT gal told me. Nicole, your spinal cord is everything. But if your core is not strong, your spinal cord won't operate at its best ability. And so I went through PT for about a year with her as we strengthened my core so that we could strengthen my whole body. And I actually feel like this was a word for the body of Christ that if we would strengthen our core, it would strengthen the entire body. It would strengthen your brothers and sisters next to you because when you strengthen your core, you'll strengthen your entire body. And who knows that the core of the body of Christ is the word of God. I'm gonna say this again. The core of the body, if we were to all circle up and go, what is our strongest point in the room? Who's our strongest person? What's our strongest whatever? We'd put the Bible in the middle of the room and we'd go, our core is the word of God. There's a lot of scripture to support this. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna run through a lot of scripture with y'all this morning, okay? So if you're a note taker, I am Southern and I am very sassy and fast, I talk fast. So get ready, okay? So Matthew 24, 35, it says this. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The Old Testament in Isaiah 40, oh, look, they've got it. That's awesome. 
in Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. John 17, 17 says, thy word is thy truth. Psalm 119 says, the sum of your word is truth. In Numbers 23, it says that God is not a man that he would lie. If we can't trust the core, if we can't trust the word of God, then our foundation of faith will easily crumble. Who knows that, you know, <laughs> you can build a house in any way, shape, or form. You want to do a modern house. You want to do a farmhouse. You want to do a, you know, new whatever, blah, blah, blah. The foundation of every home is still the same. So you can make it look abstract however you want it, but the foundation still has to be as solid. It still has to be as firm. It still looks the same. We moved to Nashville, and we started taking down walls and doing this and doing that, and I said to my husband, I cannot believe people charge so much money to take down a wall. I just took a hammer, and I took this bad boy down myself. This was great. It was the best therapy I had all year long. You just take a hammer to a wall, right? But... But we realized as we started to take things, we started to paint things, we started to take drywall and put new drywall, I, I went, all homes are really, like, it's the same. It's just how it looks on the inside, right? How you decorate it. But the foundation has to be the same. Nobody wants to, to buy a house with a faulty foundation. But I feel like, especially in 2020, 2021, there has been a shaking of the foundation. And not just in non-believers' lives, but in the lives of believers, there has been a shaking, and it has been uncomfortable. It has felt stretching. It has felt like this is too much. I, I said to the Lord one time, I said, God, this is too much. This is too much for one person to have to comprehend just 2020. And then we thought 2020, 2021 was gonna get better, and we're like, can we turn this in for a refund? What just happened? In Psalm 11:3, it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Now, some of you might be thinking, what is she talking about? We know that the Bible is the foundation. We know that it's the strength. We know that it's the core. The problem is when controversial topics arise, we can't ignore what the word of God says. And this is not a popular message. I don't normally preach popular messages, so just... Heads up. <laughs> when issues in society and culture in our households and in our neighborhoods and in our churches and in our friendship circles and in our Bible studies and in our whatever and our workplaces, when they arise, what do you run to? Do we run to the word of God, which is the core of Christ? Or do we run to what the next person is saying or what we feel like we should do or say or respond out of. I hear this phrase a lot. We served in youth ministry for a really long time. And I would always hear this phrase, well, I just wanna love my friends. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like the love of Christ is so real and it's so tangible for people. You'll never be able to amount to the love that God can love on them. So that's really cool that you want to just love your friends where they are. But let me ask y'all a question. If I brought up, uh, Pastor Rich brought me a, a water bottle, but let's just say he brought me a water bottle and then he needed to clean the floors after, so he set a, you know, a bottle of bleach there and instead of the water bottle, I brought up the bleach bottle and I started drinking from the bleach bottle. I would hope y'all would say, excuse me, what's she doing, girl? 
I, I would hope that if you're seeing me do something that is deadly, that is gonna kill my body, I'm going to flop over dead, drinking a bottle of bleach, that you would say something, not because you're bold, but because you don't want me to die. You don't even have to like me to not want me. You, know, you could just at least say, please don't do that. That's really silly. But we've become such a culture where we go, we just want to love people where they are. Would you love me where I was by me drinking a bottle of bleach? No. It is not your responsibility to take on. If I'm going to like that you said, Nicole, please don't drink that bottle of bleach. That's not your responsibility. I know, I'm triggering some people. It's fine. That kind of love isn't truth. And, and we're in a time where we've, we have forsaken truth for what we feel. We have forsaken truth for being comfortable. We have forsaken truth. We have forsaken the core of Christ for what just feels good and gets everybody to be along when really that's false. You're not speaking truth in love. That's not what that is. And so I'm a, I'm a Bible nerd, so I want to run through a couple of things with y'all, okay? Everything in the Bible is literally true. I don't know if you believe that this morning, but everything in the Bible is literally true, but not everything is true literally. Let me give you an example. When Jesus says, I am the vine, in the word, he says, I am the door. No one looks for doorknobs or hinges on Christ Jesus, right? That, that is not literally true, but it is true literally. Does that make sense? Y'all following me? Okay, the Bible has a lot of parables. It, you know, it has a lot of figures of speech. We adopt this literal message of interpretation of scripture as, to, as opposed to an allegorical message, okay? So we don't need to over-spiritualize things. We just need to believe that what God's word says is actually true. It is actually true for your life. And there are dangers for not believing the word of God. I'm going to tell y'all what. I mean, I'm coming from California, and I know people who have been in ministry for years, 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 older. I mean, old enough to be my grandparents, my parents. And they come out, and they're like, I don't know that this is true. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? Or, or there are Bible studies about how the Bible is not true. And I, I just, it blows my mind that we could forsake the core of Christ, that we could forsake. He is the word, and it is alive, right? The most dangerous thing a believer can be doing right now is not reading scripture. This is the most dangerous thing you could be doing as a follower of Christ Jesus is not reading scripture. There's every excuse. I have four kids, five and under. I've got uh, 80,000 excuses as to why I cannot open this up every day. There's a lot of excuses time is sacrifice, but the most dangerous thing you can be doing is not reading the word of God because you're not equipped. This is, this is a tool belt. This is a, an equipper, and if you are not in this, if you do not know the word of God, you will be swayed by everything in the world. I promise you. We've got to be convicted to our core from here. If we are not convicted by the word of God, then our core will not be stable. And it will not only harm our entire body individually, but it will actually harm the body of Christ in and around you. We've got to have an established core. We've got to have an established, strengthened core just to live. I mean, I saw this funny reel on Instagram. All my 
friends and my husband's always trying to get me to do these reels and I hardly have time for it, but I'll do it every now and again. And I saw this one and it said, somebody asked me the other day if, if I needed Jesus to go to heaven. And I said, I need Jesus to go to Walmart, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I was like, that is the truth. I need the Lord to pump my gas. I need the Lord to go to Walmart. This is, I need the Lord to raise my kids in the morning because, wow. My first thought this morning for y'all, if you're taking notes, is this. You will not be swayed by the, the teaching of the world if you're convicted. You will not be swayed. You will not be tossed to and fro like Scripture says if you're convicted to the core. Conviction means a fixed belief. You know what that means? When somebody comes up and they're offended or they don't like what you've said, it's not a matter of if I'm gonna change my mind or not. It is a conviction. It is fixed. You cannot move me from this place because it's actually not my rules anyway. I didn't write the word of God. Be mad at the Lord for it. Be mad at Paul for it. Don't be mad at me for it, you know? I'm so sorry. You could totally be PO'd at, at, at Paul, but you can't, you can't blame me for that. I'm convicted. I'm, I'm in a fixed and firm belief right here. There's no clever argument, no persuasion, no fact or theory or statistic that can change my mind. Because when I give my life to Christ, I, I gave my life to the word of God. And I, I'll be honest, there are things I don't like. You read in here, I don't like it. I don't like that. That's, that doesn't feel good but I'm convicted. We have a fixed belief. We have a strong core as believers in Christ Jesus. And I've come to a place in my life where as a minister of the gospel, I cannot, I cannot let things be said that are not true. My husband is not like this. He has a lot of self-control. We still pray for that over me often. <laughs> Lots of self-control, husband. The wife's working on it. But I cannot. Because I will engage in conversations where I'm going, this is not the truth of the word. This is not the truth of what Christ has said for us. And it doesn't mean, who knows, that we engage in everything that we see. That's exhausting. That's a full-time gig right there. People that respond on Facebook on everything, I'm like, what do you do for work? I need whatever you, like, whatever you do, I need to do because you got a lot of free time. Right? Y'all know those people? Anybody got friends? They're sitting next to you. Okay, don't raise your hand. But as a minister, I'm like, I want to expose the darkness. It's a part of my life. It's a part of my call. It's a part of our call as believers that we are to expose the deep darkness that Satan tries to put in front of us and in our culture. I will never stop ministering that God's design was perfect. I will never stop ministering that every life matters. I will never stop ministering that we've, we've been sanctified, that we are not walking around stuck in our sin. You are not a sinner. When you died, when you gave your life to the Lord, you then became a new life. We have a lot of people preaching, you're just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. Who told you that? I thought this. I got saved in, in a, a little uh, Nazarene church down the street in, on Dixie, off Dixie Highway. I prayed a little prayer, had no idea what... They were talking about, but I was like, you guys seem cool. You don't smell like alcohol or drugs, which was my environment. So I was like, I trust you. And then I got saved again. <laughs> don't you love that? I got <laughs> saved again when I was like 14, and I actually had a conscious decision 
about Jesus, but I still didn't know who he was. I knew Father God, but I didn't know Jesus or Holy Spirit. And I just thought, well, I, I'm a sinner, so I, I need God. And I guess that's a good point of view, that you need God. But once you're baptized, you're raised again to new life. You're, he does not look at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a son and a daughter. His son and his daughter made in his image. It's our job to expose the lie that Satan tries to put in front of culture. John 10, 10, it says this. It says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody ever heard that verse? If you memorize this, I promise it'll change your life, not to give emphasis to the enemy, but because this. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything in your life that you have felt stolen, killed, or destroyed was not something of Christ Jesus, unless it was something in your life that he needed to get rid of. Amen? But if you can, if you can memorize John 10, 10, the enemy has come to still kill and destroy, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. We will start to see the things in our life that do not align with that of Christ Jesus, and we'll stop mourning over things that he's trying to get rid of. Right? <laughs> Ephesians 5, 11, it says, take no part, say no part, Say no part again. Say it one more time. No part. part. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I will. Here we go. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. See, when you're convicted to the core, you won't care what the world tells you love looks like. When you're convicted to the core, you won't care who is offended by your stand firm belief system when you're convicted. But you cannot be convicted until you know the word of God, right? Once you know the founder of love, love himself, you'll love really well. But it doesn't always mean that you'll please everyone around you, okay? And I know that this is a hard message for those who are actually pastoral. My husband is very pastoral, meaning like he likes to sit in the one-on-ones and hear about the struggles and pray. I'm like, that's exhausting. Let me have the 10,000. I'm gonna preach a word and then we'll pray and we'll, we'll go. If you are pastoral in the house this morning, you're starting to feel a twinge inside of you. It's because you actually have been called to pastor in such a real and tangible way for those around you that you'll feel love even deeper. Does that make sense? So don't let it be like, ooh, I don't, I don't like this. This is hitting me the wrong way. It's because you're actually called into the ministry. Our convictions from the word of God will be so sturdy, once we get in this word, will be so sturdy and, and, and will not be able to, to sway us that literally people around us will want to know why. If you want to minister to people, if you want your family to come to know Christ, you don't have to preach to them. I, I haven't found that that works very well in my personal life <laughs> um, because I'm really good at that part, but I'm like, I gotta, when I'm around. But if you wanna love on people, if you want to see your, your coworkers saved, just live a life that is rooted in a foundation, that is convicted to your core, regardless if they agree or not. You can say, listen, it's not me. I just, I gave my life to the Lord, which means like this has authority in my life. And I, I just, I don't go above the authority in my life. Like this is just the authority that 
and I, I get it, this stinks, I don't like it either, it's, that doesn't sound very fun, I have to forgive everybody, what? Like, that's not cool, you know? <laughs> but I'm, I'm convicted of, of the word of God, and so this is where I am. If you start to do that, I'm telling you, people will be drawn to you, they will be attracted to you, and you never have to say, get rid of your sin and get saved, you know? People will go, whoa, why do they look different? Why are they not anxious and depressed over 2020? Why, why are they not scared? Why are they not embodied with fear over what's happening in the world? Because we got hope. We got joy. We got peace, right? And there are times when you'll need to talk back. Do you know that Jesus talked back to the devil? And um, I think it's Matthew 4, um, 4, 1 through 11, it says that when the devil tempted Jesus, he talked back. And do you know what he talked back with? The word. He talked back. He, he didn't address the need or how the devil was feeling or what might have felt comfortable. or He didn't even try to get the devil saved in that moment. He just talked back with the word. Some of our answers just need to be scripture. And you're allowed, can I give you permission this morning? You're allowed to say, I have no idea why it says that. It don't make no sense to me. You're allowed to say that. Nobody wants to be around someone who's a know-it-all. You don't know it all anyway. We don't, I don't know it all. I have to say so many times, my kids ask the most profound questions. Drives me nuts. I'm like, you're four and five. How do you, how do you even ask that? And I have to say to them, mom doesn't know it all. Shocking, I know. <laughs> Shocking. You're allowed to say, listen, I, I, I don't know why. I, I read that too, and it kind of, you know, triggers me in a way too, but I'm convicted to this word because my life is Christ. And sometimes we just need to give an answer with scripture. You don't have to have some profound, beautiful reasoning as to why you believe something or don't believe something or support something or don't believe, you know, don't support something. You just get to say, well, I looked this up in the word and here's what the word says. It's kind of an answer, so I'm gonna go with that one. You have permission to do that. It is attractive. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they're like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I have no idea why that's happening. Doesn't that feel good to your heart? You're like, ah, it's the same way with the word. And even if it doesn't feel good, it's like, hey, this is just what the word says. I, I can't part from this word. If it was all about what was accepted and felt good, Paul would have stopped preaching the gospel. You look at any disciple, really, they, they would have stopped preaching because it wasn't accepted at that time. Stephen preaching to his, you know, his, his deathbed. If you ever look at the life of the disciples and how they all died, it'll totally straighten you up. You having a bad day? You think that life is bad? Just go read about how the disciples died, and you'll be like, I'm, I'm doing great today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being persecuted. Right? Like, Paul could have stopped preaching about the resurrection of Christ because he was scared of what people would think or because people were offended, but he was so convicted that he would preach it even unto his deathbed. We live in the most outspoken time in history, in my personal opinion. The most outspoken time because we have access to social media. We can, we can get a word across the country, across the world in a matter of seconds. It's the most outspoken time in history and it, it, we have to be convicted. We have to be convicted in this hour. I'm gonna read just a little bit more to you and then, then we'll keep going. John 6 60 says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, 
Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. And he goes on to say, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He was basically talking to them about eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood, which was really weird and very offensive. And he doesn't wait until they share their concerns. He knows in the spirit. And he goes, are you offended? Oh, if you're offended by that, just wait until the Son of Man ascends to where he was before. And also the spirit gives life. Oh, and also the flesh counts for nothing. I mean, Jesus is like, everyone's like, let's just, let's just love and teach like Jesus. I'm like, Jesus was offensive. He loved women. He empowered women. And he preached an offensive message. He was the most controversial preacher in my mind. In verse 66, it goes on to say that many of the disciples at that point turned their lives um, back on Jesus. They, they walked away from him. They refused to be associated with him because he preached such an offensive message. And obviously, we know without saying Jesus was convicted. He was convicted to the core. The second way that you'll know this morning if your core is strong is this. Your spirit will be fed. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does this mean? You don't just need physical food. You need spiritual food. You cannot live on just Chick-fil-A. You also have to live on the word of God. Okay. How do we do it? We just read the word every day. How do you start? You just open it up. Start in Psalms. Start in Matthew. Start in the New Testament. Just, just read a sentence a day, one verse a day. Get started somewhere because Sunday cannot be the only snack you get a week. You've got to have a meal throughout the whole week. We know this. This is literally a snack. This is a nugget. One Chick-fil-A nugget right here. I really like Chick-fil-A. You have, to, you have to have a meal throughout the week. You have to be fed throughout the week. And it's not your pastor's job to feed you. It's true. I hear people, when we, were, we planted a few churches in Orange County, California, and we would hear people say, I just wasn't getting fed by that pastor, so I came to your church. And I said, well, I'm not going to feed you either. I mean, I'm going to share with you on Sunday, and I'm going to bring the word of God to you, but it's not my personal job to make sure that you are fed. You're a grown adult. you got to get one of these and feed yourself, okay? So if you don't feel fed in the church or wherever, you you got to feed yourself. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says this. All scripture, say all scripture. The Greek there means all scripture, um, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does this mean? It means that all scripture is God-ordained from the Lord, is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting. A lot of times we just want to teach about all the amazing ways in which God has saved us, which is powerful and incredible and needed, but we forget that rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness is so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Who knows you cannot be thoroughly equipped for every good work until the Lord has corrected you of things. You cannot be. It doesn't feel good. But you cannot be thoroughly equipped. At least that's what scripture says. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at scripture. 
right here in the New King James Version, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. And there are four purposes of, I know I'm so over, there's four purposes of scripture, and then I promise we'll be done. I just feel like y'all need to hear this. The first thing is teaching. Why do we have scripture? It is to teach us. It is doctrinal truth, right thinking about God, about man, about the world. If you have a question, just go here. It's for teaching. The second thing that scripture is for is for rebuking. It convicts us of our wrong ways. You ever opened up the word and you're having a great day and then you read something and you're like, dang it. I was coming in here to pray for Mary, but I need to pray for myself at this point, right? It's convicting, right? Like, the scripture will teach us and rebuke us in our own hearts, and it's a beautiful thing because those without discipline cannot disciple. You just can't. The third thing is for correcting. The word of God strengthens us back to the standard of what God has for us. God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is not only interested in telling us of our wrong actions and motivations, but actually there to build us up. Scripture should build you up. It's not always like, ouch, 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 ouch. Although some days, you know, I have that. Oh, ow, Lord. Okay, Lord. It's also for empowerment and encouragement to build you up, to give you the armor of Christ, which is needed right now, that you would be built up daily. And then the fourth thing is training in righteousness. We don't like to talk about righteousness, but that is the fourth thing that the word does. It combines life events and instruction to actually bring about godly life changes. If you are a student of the word, which we are until we die, we are learning and we are cleaning out and we are renewing daily. I don't care how old you are, what degree you have, how long you've been doing ministry. I mean, you could read the Bible front and back 12 times, and the, the 13th time you're like, how did I miss that? Where did that come from? Because it's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's its job to convict and to clean out. Okay? So we must be convicted people. We have to be convicted to the core because it affects our entire body. What you believe from the word of God will actually manifest and what you actually believe here and here, and then it will come out of your mouth. So you have to be convicted of what the word says. We have to be strengthened. We have to know that we have a foundation and a hope in Christ Jesus. The gospel cannot be manipulated. It cannot be manipulated. We are smothered in a time of controversy that I believe is severely against Christ. It is, I, I see things and I'm like, this is a plan and a tact of the enemy, but I know the word of God and I don't care what the world says or what this person says, I will not waver because I'm convicted and I'm standing firm in a foundation. And if you're convicted this morning, You'll stand firm, and you won't easily be able to be tossed and pushed. Someone can come and push your shoulder, and you're like, I can't, I can't go any, like, this is all I got right here. I'm, I, I'm convicted. I'll leave you all with this. In Colossians, Paul says this. He, he says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Can everybody stand with me this morning? I want to pray for us. 
there are many of you, I, I can feel it in the spirit, there are many of you this morning, and you're actually feeling convicted right now. You're like, yep, I've totally wavered. Yep, I've totally uh, forsake the, go- the gospel. I, I've not been in the worry. Yep, I've totally, and where the enemy wants to come in and put shame on you right now, God comes in and he puts his hand on you. He says, oh, just come back. It's no big deal. This is what the word is for. It's to correct, it's to rebuke, but it's also to empower and to bring in. So if you're feeling shame right now, I don't want you to feel shame. I want you to see that John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're having those feelings, that's not of the Lord, but there is a conviction. And so I wanna pray for you. And then I actually... I feel like there is just an act of obedience this morning. I I want you, uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Hopefully pastors are okay with this, but um, I want to pray boldness over us and conviction. And then if you feel like, no, I actually, I want that conviction. I want your pastors to lay hands on you. And just because you want that conviction doesn't mean you haven't been walking with the Lord. You know, we get so scared about what somebody's going to think if we come forward they're going to think I'm in sin or I'm walked away from That's such baloney. We all have to come forward in some times of our lives, right? And so if if you want conviction, I'm going to have your pastor stand up here during this last song, and I want you to come forward. And and if you're like, no, I want to be firm. I've not been. I've wavered. or, Or I just want to have more boldness. Or I just want to be able to preach the gospel in a way that is unwavering. I want your pastor's authority over this house to lay hands on you. Because it's really important to be able to go out into the workplace and to go out of this building and actually be convicted because there will be things that will be tossed and thrown at you. And if you're not rooted in a solid foundation, then you will easily be tossed over. So Father, I thank you for this house this morning, God. I thank you, Lord, that your presence is here. God, that your spirit is ministering right now. I just, I even see Holy Spirit like touching many of your heads. Some of you have like tingly heads. That might be weird to you, but the Lord's just touching you right now. Father, I thank you that you break off all shame. God, I thank you that you convict our hearts, you convict our minds, you convict our bodies to walk in the ways of you, God, to walk in righteousness, in holiness. And Father, I thank you that Louisville will be loved back to life. God, I thank you that this city will be a city on a hill. God, I thank you that these people will be light in the darkness. They will be salt and light to a a city and to a state. Can we imagine, God, what a city on fire for you looks like? You changed the world with 12 disciples, and there's more than that in this room today. God, I thank you for a full house of on-fire disciples. God, I thank you for generations of healed and complete children. God, I thank you for convicted parents in the house. God, I thank you for convicted individuals. God, that we would not waver. And Lord, bring us back if we have call us out. God, even right now in this moment, just begin to to call us out in the spirit. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We trust your word. We trust your word, God. And let us be a people of your word. Let us be convicted to be a people of your word, a people of your word. We just praise you. We praise you, Father, and I pray favor over this house. I pray favor over Pastor Mindy and Pastor Rich. God, I ask that every person who walks in this building every Sunday, that they would have the covering of Christ. 
We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.